Hey, it's Mel. And Maddie, and this is Smatter of Fact. Just two best friends dabbling in speaking with superficial knowledge on our subjects. In other words, a smattering of facts. Happy day. I don't know when this will come out, but it's Monday for us, so happy Monday. (laughs) Yeah, it finally feels like spring, though. It does. Oh, my goodness. It was so beautiful out today. Mm -hmm. I didn't even get to enjoy it, but yeah. I So, at the daycare, we have these little buggies that have babies that you put in them. And so I had babies and buggies for like a, an hour or so. Different groups of babies. I was just walking them around outside. Aww. It was so cute. Be so nice. It's so funny. Yeah, but it was really nice out, so not complaining about that. <laughs> Rory is sitting so funny. Look at her. <laughs> oh my goodness. So cute. Um. Well, I already told Mallory that I have over three pages of notes for this topic. <laughs> so I'm excited. We have to get started. I've been excited. Yes. I don't really know anything about this topic. And we're talking I feel like it's gonna be kind of like unexpectedly dark. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well you'll have Maybe to not? I'm I'm excited to hear your reaction to okay. some of these things. But um, I think that probably about halfway through the story, your whole world will, you'll, you'll be mind blown. You might be mind blown, like, more than just that. But, like, at that point, I, like, when I was doing this research, I was like, oh, I definitely did not know that about him. Oh. Okay. So we're talking about Dr. Seuss. Um, he was born Theodore Seuss, I think it said Geisel. On March 2nd, 1904, to Henrietta Seuss and Theodore Robert Geisel. Um, And he would become one of the most known and beloved children's book authors of all time. So, was What was his name? Theodore. His... Oh, yeah. Theodore. Okay. Theodore Seuss Geisel. Seuss was his mother's maiden name. Okay. So, he was born in Springfield, Massachusetts. Off to a great start. He was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, where his father managed the family brewery and later Ooh. supervised Springfield's public park system. And the really the only reason the brewery oh that's so hard to say. Brewery. <laughs> the brewery in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. The only reason that that establishment was closed was because of prohibition. Oh the 1920s of it all. Yeah. Did um it open back up? I don't I don't know actually. But it closed because of prohibition. Wow. So his father was a appointed the supervisor of the Springfield's public park system, which I was like, that seems like an odd jump, like brewery owner to parks and rec, like just like my mom. Yeah, I know, I was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she never owned a she never owned a brewery, but she is in parks and rec, so I think that's so great. Oh, okay. So his childhood home was near a street called Mulberry Street, 
which became oh. famous for his first children's book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, which was a poem. I love it. Um, so he actually didn't live on Mulberry Street, though, which I think is kind of funny, but I'm just assuming that it, like, sounded better for the story than, like, whatever street he grew up on. Yeah. Yep. It's a nice name, Mulberry Street. Yeah, it's a good name. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like Mulberry Lane, you know? It's a very, like, children's rhymey mm-hmm. situation. Um, so he had a sister named Marnie. Um, and his family was of German descent, so they faced anti-German discrimination from other community members, and mm. apparently especially from their classmates um, at the start of World War One in 1914. So that's kind of, kind mm. of sucks, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1925, so we're jumping ahead here, like, <laughs> 20 years, um, Theodore graduated from Dartmouth College. Or do you say Dartmouth? I don't know. Okay. Okay. From Dartmouth? That's Dartmouth. way above where I went to school. So, oh, yeah, oh, Dartmouth. Dar- Dartmouth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Dartmouth yeah. or Dartmouth. Dar- okay. Dartmouth <laughs> College. And while there, he obtained the role of editor in chief for the humor magazine called Dartmouth Jack O' Lantern. Um, but he was caught drinking in his room with nine other friends. And I thought it was interesting that a lot of articles included that it was like nine other friends specifically. Um, and so he was forced to resign from all extracurricular activities. Um, Because he was drinking? Yeah, well, this was during Prohibition. Oh, right. So. When was Prohibition? uh, I think, like, 19, early 1920s to, like, early 1930s. Like, leading up to the Great Depression? Basically. When was Prohibition? When was pro? 19, oh, 1920 to 1933, yeah. Oh, look at me go. Okay. <laughs> um, however, Theodore was a baddie um, and kept working at the magazine under the name Seuss. So the the administration wouldn't find out. So it was like oh, the first time that he started oh, using oh. the pen name Seuss. Um, awesome. Yeah. I was like, okay, go off. Um, after graduation, he went to Lincoln College in Oxford, hoping to earn a doctor of philosophy in English literature. Uh, he wanted to be an English teacher. Um, and he met his future wife, Helen Palmer, who encouraged him to give up becoming an English teacher <laughs> so in order to pursue drawing. So she's quoted in saying, Ted's notebooks were always filled with these fabulous animals so I set to work diverting him. Here was a man who could draw such pictures. He should be earning a living doing that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh so my gosh. She was like, no. She's like, actually, I don't think that you should get your doctorate and become an English teacher. You definitely should just draw. Um, I'm going to decide also, your dream for you. So apparently he was called Ted. Like, that's what, like, people called him. And I, I just, like, made the connection to... The Lorax movie. I don't. I don't know. I'm not familiar. I don't know if the book. It's not the same as like the movie because it's like the movie's telling the story of the book through like a different mm. lens. But the main like little boy character, his name is Ted. That's a cool little Easter egg. Yeah. Um. So he never earned his degree from Oxford, <laughs> and he returned to the U.S. in 1927. 
At this time, he wow. started submitting writings and drawings to magazines, book publishers, and advertising agencies. And he had his first nationally published cartoon appear in the Saturday Evening Post on July 16, 1927. So he okay, started so out with cartoon work. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, it, yeah, it took him, like, a few months to kind of, like, get his his grounding there but you know he made 25 dollars on rory's chasing her chair her tail like a psychopath it's so funny i didn't know that cats did that too get it Rory. get it my cat does that that's so i did just like just randomly like she doesn't necessarily chase it she just like will like when she's laying on the couch she'll randomly just like attack her tail because it's like flopping around (laughs) (laughs) this is funny she's still Oh, you got it. Good job. <laughs> now she just stands and looks at you with it in her mouth. Oh, and back again. Okay. Anyways, uh, so he made a grand total of $25 on this cartoon in the Saturday Evening Post, which, like, honestly, back then, that was quite a bit of money. Yeah. I mean, um, for your first drawing, yeah. too. Like, Yeah. So, he immediately moved from Springfield to New York City, obviously. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was like, that's enough. I feel successful enough. Let's do One this. One little... Wow. Um. So, the same year, he accepted a job as a writer and illustrator for a humor magazine called Judge. I don't know what that is, but okay. <laughs> and then, like, a couple months later, he was making enough money and married Helen Palmer. So, yeah. good for them. Um, his first cartoon signed Dr. Seuss was published about six months after starting his position with Judge. And this was kind of funny. Because of his success at Judge, Theodore found himself signed with an advertise like signed with advertising a bug spray called Flit because he had used it in like one of his cartoons. And then like mm. someone was like, we should get this guy on our team. And so he created these cartoons, this advertising, like, uh, like I don't know, package situation okay. where he was, like, putting out cartoons for advertising that Flit became a pop culture reference. Whoa. Like, people, like, I don't, like, I'm trying to think, like, what people nowadays would, like, say, but, like, like, you know, like, life alert. <laughs> You know, like, how people, like, joke about that. It was, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Wait, so he signed his cartoons, Dr. Seuss, but he never actually got his doctorate? Nope. Okay. But his name also, that was, like, his middle name. That wasn't, like, his name name. Well, right. Yeah. So it was his was. But, like, he never started, like, in college, it was just Seuss, and now, like, he had Dr. Seuss. Yes. Well, your pen name can be anything you want it to be. Yeah, true. Um, so this work with like the the bug spray people brought him huge monetary success. Um, in addition to his like work with Judge, um, and he was like making more than his most successful Dartmouth classmates <laughs> by doing cartoons. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. And by 1936, Theodore and Helen had visited over 30 countries. They didn't have children, didn't keep regular office hours, 
And Theodore is quoted in saying that traveling helped his creativity. So, I mean, yeah, that makes he sense. He worked on his own schedule. What did Helen do? I am. Uh, let me see if it says anywhere. Let's see. She then, was an American children's writer, editor, and philanthropist. Oh, she was the founder and uh, vice president of Beginner Books and was married to Dr. Seuss. Was she the one that prompted him to start making children's books then? Kind of. We'll get to we'll okay. get to that. I don't want to get ahead. Don't you worry. Okay. <laughs> so um so going back in time a little bit in 1931 he illustrated his first set of children's sane books um and like i guess it was just like things that like kids had said you know like little a little compilation and that book soon rose it was called um i think it was called boners what yeah yeah, it was. It was called Boners. Um, it soon rose to the top of the New York Times bestseller oh, list and led to well. a sequel uh, named <laughs> More Boners. I was going to say. During the same that. year, though. Yeah. Oh. So, not, that's hilarious. Yeah, do what you want with that information. <laughs> um, he attempted to sell a book to publishers that he wrote and illustrated. It was an ABC book featuring to quote very strange animals um but no publisher was interested dr seuss's abc's like that one like the i don't know if it was that one but like it was like some abc book and i love that book no one was interested because it had weird animals in it um in 1936 he did write and publish his first children's book and to think that i saw it on mulberry street um, however, this book was rejected by twenty to thir- or twenty to forty three publishers. I don't know why the wow. number forty three, but that's what he said. Wow. Um, and apparently, he was walking home to burn the manuscript when he had a chance encounter with an old Dartmouth classmate, which led to it getting published by Vanguard Press. Wow, that yep. is crazy. And kind of up until this point, most of his like, or like the books type thing that he was doing was all in um like verse rhyming mm-hmm. um but before the u.s entered world war ii he had written four more books um which are in of those books there were three that were written in prose so not rhyming the 500 hats of bartholomew cubbins the the king's stilts and the seven lady godivas um and these were like the three books that were like kind of like the off books of his where they were not written in verse Mm -hmm. um in 1940 he wrote horton hatches the egg which was his return to verse writing um but when world war ii started theodore turned to draw over 400 political cartoons in two years i didn't know that yes Wow. Um, these cartoons were later published in a book called Dr. Seuss Goes to War. Um, and they ranged from everything from denouncing Hitler and Mussolini to being highly critical of those opposed to the U.S. entering the war. And, like, apparently really, like, took jabs at Charles Lindbergh because oh, he wow. was opposed to, like, the war. I kind of want to, like, 
get that book now. That seems yeah. really interesting. Right? He was also highly critical of racism against the Jewish and Black populations within the U.S. Um, during the time, uh, but strongly supported President Roosevelt's handling of the war. Hmm. Like the the new deal, new day deal or whatever it is, um, and all of that stuff. He was very liberal democratic. Um, in 1942, he directed his efforts instead to support the war, and he started drawing posters for the Treasury Department and the War Production Board. So I was, like, kind of thinking, that would be kind of cool if you just had, like, had a thing that was, like, you know, something about, like, rations, but it's, like, it was done by it's Dr. Like fun. Seuss. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he did, like, all, like, fun things, but right. <laughs> cartoony maybe more like satirical type thing it's just hard to picture like a serious dr seuss yeah so this is this is actually i did not know this at all um in 1943 he joined the army as a captain and was commander of the animation department of the first motion picture unit of the united states army air forces wow yeah okay so, in this unit, he helped create films, including Your Job in Germany, a 1945 propaganda film about peace in Europe after the war, um, and as well as Our Job in Japan and Private Snafu. So, Private Snafu was a series of adult army training films. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he, like, an- wait, he, like, animated? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or helped, like, yeah, he probably did drawings or writings for it. Um, He was awarded wow. the Legion of Merit on our job in Japan, which became the basis of the commercially released film Designed, or sorry, Design for Death, which was a study of Japanese culture and won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Film Feature. You never hear about any of this. No. After the war, he and Helen moved to California, where he returned to writing children's books. Um, Most of the books were published through Random House within the U.S. and received a numerous amount of awards throughout his career. We'll talk about those, don't worry. Um, In 1953, he wrote the musical and fantasy film The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, but the film was a failure in every way, including financially, and Theodore would not attempt another feature film. I was going to say, I've never heard of that. Mm-mm. I would be interesting interested to see it though. Um, so in 1954, Life published a report on illiteracy among school children. The report concluded that children were not learning to read because their books were boring. Mm-hmm. So the director of education division at Houghton Mifflin made a list of four hundred or sorry three hundred and forty eight words that he thought first graders should be able to recognize then asked Theodore to cut down the list to 250 words and to write a book only using those words. And then he also said, I challenge you, Theodore, to write a book that children cannot put down. Wow. What book was it? So nine months later, Theodore brought back The Cat in the Hat, which used oh. 236 of the words that were given to him. Oh my and goodness. And then this eventually led to a whole series of books targeted towards beginning readers. Um, so, you know, like how you read, like, um, Hop on Pop 
and like mm-hmm. those kinds of things where they're very like short sounds and I think green I eggs think and ham yeah green green eggs and ham all of those ones red one fish or red yeah one fish two fish red fish blue fish yeah where I remember reading all those like in kindergarten it teaches like, the kids all of those different like sounds in the mouth mm-hmm. um and like like sight words are able to very easily pick them out mm-hmm. um and so it's very cool I've I always like was like oh these are such good books for kids because like you know like you're saying like at sat mat pat tat you know like that's mm-hmm. not a word but you know what I mean hat like you're saying like all these words in a row and I'm like that's so good for kids to learn about rhyming and things that sound and look alike and the patterns and stuff and then yeah. I read this and I was like oh it was literally that's literally what these books were for <laughs> yeah so in 1955 Dartmouth awarded him an honorary doctor of humane letters and then Theodore joked that he would now have to sign his name Dr. Dr. Seuss because <laughs> <laughs> not that's funny yeah and to be a little bit of a uh, after a long struggle with illness his wife Helen died by suicide on October 23 oh. 1967 no yeah but it's Paladin. okay That's because so eight months later, Theodore married Audrey Dimmon, uh, uh, who, uh, who he had what? been having an alleged affair with. <gasps> Theodore. I know. I was like, oh my Helen, gosh. Helen literally brought you the fame. Like, imagine uh, if she wouldn't have, like, told you to get out of school. You'd be a freaking in- English teacher making, yeah. like, no money. Yep. He would. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but so he married Audrey. They never had any children. He never had any of his own children. Um, and in 1980, he was w- awarded an honorary doctor of humane letters from Whittier College and the Laura Ingalls Wilder Medal from the Professional Children's Librarians. And then in eight in 1984, he was awarded the special a special Pulitzer Prize. Nice. Uh, which that one cited his contribution over nearly half a century to the education and enjoyment of America's children and their parents. So, Aww. um, okay, so we're gonna talk about his death. Um, <laughs> why is that? I don't know. I feel like I'm oh, just no. being really downer here, but um, oh. but there's more. There's more after his death. So he died of cancer on September 24, 1991. Um, at his home in La Jolla community of San Diego at the age of 87. And his ashes were scattered in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, okay. Um, four years after his death, the University of California, San Diego's University Library Building was renamed Giesel Library in honor, uh, or maybe it's Gessel. I don't know how you say it, uh, in honor of him and his wife Audrey for the generous contributions that they made to the library and their devotion to improving literacy. Interesting that they would name it after like his real name, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um so while he was living in Lajala or maybe it's like, I I don't know. I'm probably saying it very wrong. <laughs> the United States Postal Service and others frequently confused him with fellow Lajala resident Dr. Hans Seuss a noted nuclear physicist. So there was a real Dr. Seuss living in his same neighborhood community. What? 
who is a nuclear physicist. <laughs> weird. Yeah. That is a yep. weird coincidence. Yep. So, you know. Uh, and in 2002, the Dr. Seuss National Memorial Sculpture Garden opened in Springfield, Massachusetts, featuring sculptures of Theodore and many of his characters. That'd be really fun to go to. Yeah. Well, apparently, in 2017, the Amazing World of Dr. Seuss Museum opened next to the Dr. Seuss National Memorial Sculpture Garden in the oh. Springfield Museum's Quadrangle. Wow. Yeah. I bet they have a good gift shop. Yeah. They have, like, every book ever made by Dr. Seuss. Yeah. So, this is just a fun fact. At Dartmouth, more than 90% of incoming first-year students participate in pre-matriculation trips run by the Dartmouth Outing Club into the New Hampshire wilderness. It is traditional for students returning from the trips to stay overnight at Darth Moose Musilauk, say, tell me I'm saying it wrong, I know, uh, Ravine Lodge, where they are served green eggs for breakfast. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome that he has, like, that legacy still at his alma mater. Yeah. Um, so he has won two Academy Awards, two Emmy Awards, a Peabody Award, the Laurel Ingalls Wilder Medal, and the, the Ink Pot Award, and the Pulitzer Prize. Wow. He also has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Really? Yep. I thought that was only for actors. Apparently not. Like he wasn't in Hollywood. I don't know. Um, but he has yeah. been in the Forbes list of highest paid dead celebrities every year <laughs> since 2001 when the list was first published. So he is Dang. still he's still making lots of money there and he doesn't even have any like kids like what happened to like all his fortune when he died i it wonder given away i think to like, donated Aub- to charity Aubrey, whatever her name is yeah audrey like yeah. Like, audrey yeah so this one this is gonna just like <laughs> my, blow mind here um his most famous pen name is regularly pronounced seuss seuss However, it's a German surname, and it's pronounced Zeus. Oh, Zeus. Yeah. He himself noted that it rhymed with voice, so he would say Zeus, not Zeus. Um, and one of his collaborators at the Dartmouth Jack-o'-lantern wrote, "You are wrong as the deuce, and you shouldn't rejoice if you're calling him Zeus. He pronounces it Zeus." Oh my gosh. So we're all just. Yes. Apparently, no one got that memo. And we're still mispronouncing it today. Yep. And misspelling it. But listen, Susical the musical would not work. Soy, 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 soy. So, oh, 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 soy. Well, also, it doesn't rhyme with musical. It'd be Zoysical the musical. Zoysical the musical. Zoysicle of the voice voicicle. Vo- of voicicles. Oh, oh the zoysicle of voicicles. I see what you're doing. Okay. Um so he good show, switched he switched to the pronunciation Seuss. Um because it 
evoked a figure advantageous for an author of children's books to be associated with Mother Goose. Mm, I feel like the real reason was just that no one could pronounce it correctly, so he just embraced it. Yeah, the next line goes, and because most people use this pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> he added the doctor to his pen name because his father had always wanted him to practice medicine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Dang Americans. We always like do stuff like that. Like Right. People tell us we're wrong and then we're like, okay, and then we just don't You're like us. Yes, we are wrong. We're not changing it though. Yeah. You're like um, <laughs> So he also had a different pen name. Uh for oh. books he wrote and and others illustrated. So the ones that he wrote but he did not illustrate. Mm-hmm. He used the pen name Theo Lesiege, which starting with I wish that I had Duck Feet, which is published in 1965, and Lesiege is Geisel, Geisel, or spelled backwards. Oh. Yes. He also published one book under the name Rosetta Stone, uh, which was 1975's Because a Little Bug Went Kachoo. In collaboration with Michael Frith, um, they chose that name in honor of Giesel's second wife, Audrey, whose maiden name was Stone. So, mm. rude. All right. Yep. Rude. <laughs> yes. Um, what about Helen? Yeah, what about Helen? So, now we're going to talk about his political views. Um. So, he, you know, obviously with his cartoons he had passionate opposition to fascism he urged action against it both before and after the u.s entered world war ii um he also initially supported the internment of japanese americans during world war ii Mm. to prevent possible sabotage but after the war he overcame his feelings of animosity and re-examined his view and he used okay. his book, Horton Hears a Who, in 1954, as an allegory for the American post-war occupation of Japan, as well as dedicating the book to a Japanese friend. Um, but some some person noted in an interview that even the book has a sense of American chauvinism. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I I would hope that he really, like, wrote that to, like, apologize <laughs> apologize and like make a, a a point for the uh japanese japanese american people um kind of like maybe influence the the population since children's books go to you know every mm-hmm. home but who knows um he converted a copy of one of his, one of his favorite sorry, famous children's books, Marvin K. Mooney, Will You Please Go Now, into a polemic shortly before the end of the Watergate scandal um, by replacing the name of the main character everywhere it occurred with, I think, Richard Nixon, where it was called (laughs) Richard M. Nixon, Will You Please Go Now? And it was published in major newspapers through the column of his friend Art Art Buchwald. Yeah. That's funny. Um, and then so the line a person's a person no matter how small from Horton Here's a Who has often been 
associated with like the pro-life movement in the United States. Um, but later, Audrey, after his death, like objected to the use of this. According to her attorney, she doesn't like people to hijack Dr. Seuss characters or material to front their own points of view. So it was never like explicitly stated that that was like what that was intended to be a commentary on. Okay. Um, and apparently Audrey threatened to sue an anti-abortion group for their use of the phrase on their stationery. Um, and they they had to like remove it. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I was like, all right. And like, I apparently Theodore never gave a public opinion on the subject. So I was like, okay, probably best to just stay out of. Yeah. <laughs> probably but it was interesting that like audrey was so like vocal about it yeah and he wasn't was it's not her work so um so he made a point of not beginning to write his stories with a moral in mind stating that kids can see a moral coming a mile off he was not against writing about issues he said that there were inherent morals in any story so um okay. the lorax that he wrote was about environmentalism and anti-consumerism, the Sneeches about mm-hmm. racial equality, the Butter Battle Book about the arms race, Yertle the Turtle was about Adolf Hitler and anti-authoritarianism, uh, How the Grinch Stole oh. Christmas criticized the economic materialism and consumerism of the Christmas season, um, mm. and Horton Hears a Who about anti-isolationism and internationalism. And wow. recently, his works for children have been criticized for presumably unconscious racial themes. But Yeah, like, I was going to say about... Yeah. It's not... <laughs> he he never really, like, explicitly talked about those kinds of things. But he also, with his cartoons, was very, like, anti-racism in them. So, I don't know. Yeah, because I remember you saying that. Um, yeah, so it seems confusing that he would do that yeah yep i don't know some people just like to find anything they can to twist or accuse of something it's very true so he was kind of a genius because he was very intentional with how he wrote his stories how he like put like the poetic verse together yeah. Um, so most of his books are written in an anapestic tetrameter, which is a poetic meter employed by many poets of the English literary canon. Um, and it's often suggested this is one of the reasons his writing is so well received. So mm-hmm. anapestic tetrameter consists of four rhythmic units called antipest, each composed of two weak symbols followed by one strong symbol, which is the beat. Um, often the first week symbol is omitted or an additional week symbol is added at the end. Um, so like this is from Yertle the Turtle. And today the great Yertle the Marvelous, he is the king of the mud and all he can see. So there's a very like clear like rhythm mm. to the story. Um, some of his other That's books really cool. contain or some of his books contain lines written in amphibraic. I think is how you say it, infrabrachic, tetrameter, 
wherein each strong syllable is surrounded by a weak syllable on each side. So this is from If I Ran the Circus. All ready to put up the tents for my circus. I think I will call it the Circus McGurkis. And now comes the act of enormous and enormance. Sorry, that's not an English word. No former (laughs) performers performed this performance. So they have this very, like, like, flowy feel to them. Yeah. Uh, He also wrote in trochaic tetrameter where it is an arrangement of strong syllable followed by weak syllable with four units per line, like one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. I never knew that there were, like, strong and weak words and syllables. and Yeah. So I've never heard of that before. He generally made... Well, like, I, when you say it, like, I definitely get it. Yeah, right? It's cool. Sorry. I This is, like, my nerdy, like, linguist side coming out here i know so (laughs) he usually maintained trochaic meter for only brief passages and for longer stretches typically mixed it in with iambic tetrameter which consisted of a weak syllable followed by a strong and is generally considered easier to write um so the for example the musicians in bartholomew and the ublex make the first appearance chanting in trochies thus resembling the uh witches of shakespeare's macbeth which is also written in iambic pic, uh the hold on your oh never mind oh, sorry your audio cut out for like a few seconds but i think it's back so there are magicians in bartholomew and the ublack which make their first appearance tran- chanting which resembles the witches of shakespeare's macbeth which is also ri- written in iambic tetrameter so, like, shuffle, oh. duffle, muzzle, muff. And then they switch to the IMs for the oobleck spell. Go make the oobleck tumble down on every street in every town. I feel like I didn't know, like, half the words you said. But like, <laughs> like, what type of phrases there were or whatever, but it's cool. Yes. I feel like even if you... It's easier to see It's like one out. of those... Language is so interesting, like, like, just, I can't even, like, explain what I'm thinking about. I guess, like, you know like knowing how it's supposed to sound, and you know if it sounds wrong, and you know if it sounds right, but yeah. you can't say what makes it sound wrong or right. Yeah, or, like, knowing, like, when to go higher or lower when you say certain words, mm-hmm. like you were just doing, and, like, I don't know, it's crazy to me. It really drives me crazy at the daycare because you can tell that some people uh, don't know how to, like, read, like, poetry. And so they'll be, like, mm-hmm. they'll be, like, like, this is the uh, Circus McGurkis one. They'll be, like, all ready to put up the tents for my circus. I think I will. Oh, I'm doing it too good. All ready to put up the tents for my circus. think I will call it the Circus McGurkis. And I'm, like, No. Already to put up the tents for my circus. I think I will call it the circus McGurkis. Like, come on, guys. Read the book. Yeah. <laughs> Make it fun. I know. Children like, it's are there so for you. It's given. You. For, it's put there. It's so easy. And they'll just read it so dry. And I'm like, what? I know. It's funny. Yeah. Or like, 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 what is it? The green eggs and ham? They'll be like, 
they'll be like, I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam. I am. And I'm like, no, I do not like green eggs and ham. I, I like do not like them, Sam. I am. Sam, I am. Yeah. yeah, I totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting, too, how like I grew up saying that book like that or like my parents read it to me like that. Mm hmm. And we, I don't think we've ever like talked about that or read it together. And then just now we both like interpret it the exact same way. Yeah. That's one of my favorite books to read. I love reading Dr. Seuss books to kids because it's always so funny to like watch their reactions like to stuff because you'd be like, I don't know, it'll just be ridiculous like the lines are, but they just are like, yeah, <laughs> out of like, you're hilarious. I remember in kindergarten, they had, they made, like, my teacher, someone made, I think it was just the green eggs. I don't know if she went with the green ham, too, but I didn't eat them. Because oh, I that's they funny. Were, they were, like, gross looking. That's funny. <laughs> so, as far as his artwork goes, he had a very specific style of artwork that was very mm -hmm. unique. Um, so, in addition to, like, writing... And, like, creating the world through his, like, style of writing. He had created the world through his artwork. Um, so his style was very, like, figures that were rounded, somewhat droopy. Like, the faces of the Grinch and the Cat in the Hat. Um, mm -hmm. Almost everything was devoid of, like, straight lines when they were drawn. Even when mm -hmm. he represented, like, real objects like the like you know like trains and train tracks and stuff would be very like wobbly and like yeah not a perfect square dimensionally mm -hmm. um but he enjoyed architecturally elaborate objects um and a number of his motifs are identifiable with structures in his childhood home in springfield um which apparently had like onion domes in its main street um and his family's brewery um i don't know exactly i think the onion dome is like where it like kind of like is wide and then it kind of like up at the top looks like a little oh, onion okay like yeah, little yeah, cut yeah. Out. um he loved making palaces ramps platforms freestanding stairways um complex imaginary machines um yeah. like he drew arrangements of feather and fur that were super outlandish, like the tale of Gertrude McFuzz, um, and the the pet for the girls who like to brush and comb in One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. Apparently she's yeah. a recurring character. Um, and then they like convey motion very like vividly. Um he was fond of a sort of, it says, voila gesture in which two hands flip outward and the fingers spread slightly backward and the thumb up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the introduction of various acts of if I ran the, cir the circus uh, and the little cats and the cat in the hat comes back. That's like how he would make their hands. He also liked to draw hands with interlocking fingers making it look as though his characters were twiddling their thumbs. Um, he likes to 
follow the the cartoon tradition of showing motion with lines, like sweeping lines that show mm -hmm. a dive or someone running, um, the action of the senses, sight, smell, hearing, um, you know, like in, uh, what is the book? It has like, I think it's Green Eggs and Ham, where they're, no, Hop on Pop, where there's like a bunch of like noise at one point and they're all like, have all like the mm -hmm. shaking lines around their ears and like squinching up their faces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he had a bunch of sketches because of his editorial cartooning, um, and later used these sketches in his children's books when he, like, perfected them. Um, so... So he'd just been kind of, like, his whole life just collecting these, like, ideas? Yes, because he made an editorial cartoon in 1941 that depicts a whale resting on top of a mountain as a parody of American isolationists, especially Charles Lindbergh. This was later rendered with no political content as the wombus of On Beyond Zebra, Seuss's whales, which are cheerful and balloon-shaped with long eyelashes um, that occur in McElligot's Pool, If I Ran the Circus, and other books. Um... So, The Tower of Turtles in a 1942 editorial cartoon prefigures a similar towel in, tower in Yertle the Turtle. It also appeared in a judge cartoon as one letter of a hieroglyphic message. Um, and Giesel once stated later that Yertle the Turtle was Adolf Hitler, so it came back later, I guess. Oh. Um, and Little Cat's A.B., and C all the way through Z, who spring from each other's hats, appeared in a Ford Ford Motor Company ad. <laughs> um, and then do you know like how he'll have like different characters that have like connecting beards? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was first seen in Did I Ever Tell You How Lucky You Are, which is a song in Susical the Musical, How Lucky You Are. Um, which oh. appeared, these appeared frequently in his works, most no notably in um, a short-lived comic strip called uh, Heiji, which, which featured two goats joined at the beard, the 5,000 fingers of Dr. T, which featured two roller skating guards joined at the beard, and a political cartoon in which Nazism and the, first, the American First Movement are portrayed as the men with Siamese beard. <laughs> Um, and then his earliest elephants were for advertising. He had somewhat wrinkly ears, like real elephants. Um, and with, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street and Horn Hatches the Egg, the ears became more stylized, somewhat like angel wings, and thus appropriate to the saintly Horton. Um, during World War II, the elephant image appeared as an emblem for India in four editorial cartoons. Horton and similar elephants appear frequently in the post-war children's books. Um, while drawing advertisements for Giesel became adept to drawing insects with huge stingers, shaped like a gentle S-curve with a sharp end that included a rearwarding pointed barb on a lower side. Their facial expressions depict gleamful malevolence, um, and they were later rendered into an editorial cartoon as a swarm of allied aircraft and again as the sneedle of beyond 
of On Beyond Zebra and yet again escorts in I Had Trouble Getting to Sala Salu. Sala uh, Salu. Yes, that was like my favorite song, by the way. Oh, in the musical, the musical. <laughs> I love that musical. I want to watch it again. So, good. but I want to watch the one that our school did. I want to watch that one too. Do you have a recording somewhere? I never got any of the recordings, and now I'm like kicking myself because I was like, well, I'm not really in them. You did and so much for them. I know. I. I regret it. Yes. I get that too. So there are many examples of creatures who arrange themselves in repeating patterns, such as the two, number two, and fro walkers who march in five layers, and the through horns jumping deer in If I Ran the Circus, the arrangement of birds which the pro- pro- which the protagonist of Oh the Places You Go walks through as the narrator admonishes him to always be dexterous and deft and never mix up your right foot with your left. So, he wrote more than 60 books over the course of his lifetime. Most were published under the name Dr. Seuss. Um, Although he authored more than a dozen books as Theo Lesage and one as Rosetta Stone. Um, They have topped many bestseller lists, sold over 600 million copies, and been translated into more than 20 languages. Um, so in 2000, Publishers Weekly compiled a list of best-selling children's books of all time. Of the top 100 hardcover books, 16 were written by him, including Green Eggs and Ham at number four, Cat in the Hat at number nine, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish at 13. Um, and in the years after his death, two additional books were published based on his sketches and notes, which was Hooray for Defend for day and daisy had Maisie, my many colored days daisy had Maisie, yeah oh my gosh so cute um and then in september 2011 seven stories originally published in magazine during the 1950s were released in a collection titled the Popolo seed and other lost stories he also wrote a pair of adult books the seven lady godivas the retelling of the Lady Godiva legend that included nude depictions, um, and You're Only Old Once, which was written when he was 82, <laughs> which chronicles an old man's journey through a clinic. His last book was Oh, the Places You Go, which was published the year before his death and became a popular gift for graduating students. I didn't know that was his last book he ever did. Mm-hmm. Also... I mean, he never retired. No, he never retired. Like, wow. I mean, I guess when you're doing what you love, like. Yeah. Yep. So he has, there are like a few selected titles that are like his most popular. Um, I'm not going to read them all to you because there's a lot of them. Um, But he does have some retired books. Dr. Seuss Enterprises, the organization that owns the rights to the books, films, TV shows, stage productions, exhibitions, digital media, licensed merchandise, and other strategic partnerships, announced on May 2nd, 2021. Um, So that was his birthday, right? That it will stop publishing and licensing six books. The publications include, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran a Zoo... McElligot's Pool, 
Anbian Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, and the Cat's Quizzer. According to the organization, the books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong and are no longer being published due to racist and insensitive imagery. Because the, the only book I know is like the zoo, if I ran the zoo, is it because there's like kids in a cage at one point or something? I'm pretty sure that's the thing. <laughs> Maybe. I'm pretty sure that's the thing. <laughs> that's funny though, because someone, one of the classroom themes at the daycare is if I ran a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Which has like doesn't isn't that the one that has Circus McGurkis in it? I don't know. You'll have to you'll have to look at report back. I will report back. I'll make sure. I think it might be Circus McGurkis. Not that I'm thinking of it, but that would be kind of funny if it was. If I ran a zoo and it's kids in a cage. We love banned books. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, um. So he had several theatrical short films, uh, which in 1942 there was one. Uh, called Horn Hatches the Egg. Uh, 1943, yeah. The 500 Hats of Bartholomew Cubbins. 1944, And to Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street. And 1950, Gerald McBoing Boing. Uh, I think I said that wrong. Boing Boing, maybe. Or is it Boing Boing? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but they were 10 minutes long each. Um, in theatrical feature films... He had The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, which was The Failure, and that was 92 minutes long. How the Grinch Stole Christmas in 2000, which was live action. Um, it's the best with Jim Carrey. So good. Then in 2003, also the live action The Cat in the Hat, which... That was not great. <laughs> I don't even know if I've ever seen the entirety of that Mm, but the little bit i've seen was just i makes me uncomfortable i don't know why yeah well and then we have the 2008 horn here's a who and 2012 the lorax and 2018 the grinch which were the animated theatrical feature films i haven't seen that yet the grinch one oh my gosh it's so good it has uh benadryl cucumber batch in there Benadryl cucumber. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I did like the Horton Here's a Hue. I um, like film. the Lorax. The Lorax. Was... Uh, Lorax slaps know. all those songs. The, the Horton one, like, I think that was one of the movies that my sister was obsessed with. And so we watched it all the time. There you go. I, I want to watch that now. So then there's also the television specials. Which we have How the Grinch Stole Christmas. All of these ones are animated. Horton Hears a Who in 1970. Mm-hmm. 1971, The Cat in the Hat. 1972, The Lorax. 1973, Dr. Seuss and the Loose. 1975, The Hobbler. Sorry, The Huber Bloob Highway. The Huber Bloob? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1977, Halloween is Grinch Night. 1980, Pock, Where Are You? 1982, The Grinch, Grinch is the Cat in the Hat. 1989, The Butter Battle Book. Uh, 1995, Daisy Head Maisie. And then he also had some television shows. Um, wow. This one was Live Action Puppet by the Jim Henson Productions. Uh, so they were Muppets, right? That's Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which was the was Wubby like, List. 
<laughs> World of Dr. Seuss. From 1996 to 1998. Um, And then we have the 2010 through 2018, which is traditional animation. Um, The Cat in the Hat knows a lot about that, which I've (gasps) seen this series and it's good. That was also one of my sister's obsessions. So good. That was a cute show. It was a cute show. Yes. I'm surprised it ran that long, though. I didn't know that. Yeah. And from 2019 to 2022, Green Eggs and Ham. I don't know that one. Two- yeah. Wait, what? There's a show called Green Eggs and Ham. I'm out of the loop. Yep. Um, Sorry, we're not done yet because there's just so much about him. Oh, my okay. goodness. So for adaptations, most of his career, he was very reluctant to have his characters marketed in context outside of his books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did permit the creation of several animated cartoons um and he relaxed his policy as he aged um and so those are the ones like Horton hatches the egg and to think I saw it in Mulberry Street um and so in 1959 he authorized Revel 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 the well-known plastic model making company to make a series of animals that snap together rather than being glued together that could be assembled disassembled reassembled in thousands of ways and the series was called dr seuss's zoo to include uh gowdy the dowdy grackle norval the bashful blanket tingo the noodle top strudel and roscoe the many-footed lion these are uh, like toys yeah like like think like happy meal toys Oh, that's The fun. basic body parts were the same and all of them were interchangeable so it was possible for children to combine parts from various characters in basically unlimited ways to create their own animal characters. That's fun. Um, and like he, they encouraged us by selling like the three together in a gift set and individually. Um, and then he, they also made a conventional glue together beginner's kit for the cat in the hat. Hmm. Um, in the 1966 cartoon version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, he is credited as the co-producer under his real name, Ted Geisel. Um, so he actually, like, played a role in creating that. Nice. Mm -hmm. I still, I love that Grinch. Yeah. Me too. It's so creepy. I like his little, like, smile. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so there are just, there's also just, like, so many more, like, things that were done, like, documentaries and, like, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after he died in 1991, his widow Audrey took charge of licensing matters until her death in 2018, and now it's controlled by the nonprofit Dr. Seuss Enterprises. Oh, okay. And she, Audrey, approved the live-action feature film of How the Grinch Stole Christmas starring Jim Carrey, as well as the Seuss-themed Broadway musical called Seussical, which both premiered in 2000. So Seussical she did two musical. things right in her life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Without her, we wouldn't have Seussical musical. Or the Jim Carrey or... How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. Thank you, Audrey. And But <laughs> I, I, to the note of the 2003 live action Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers, uh, Audrey spoke critically of the film, especially of casting Myers as the cat in the hat, and stated that she would not allow any further live action adaptation of oh, her no. husband's books. No. <laughs> <laughs> that ruined it. Yep. Oh my gosh. 
So since that time, there's not been any live action. I honestly did not know that Mike Myers played the cat. cat. Now I kind of do want to watch it again just (laughs) as like an adult perspective, you know, because as a kid, I was like, this is creepy and gross and I don't like it. It was like weird. Yep. That's so so funny. I wonder now that she's dead, though, we'll get something. Bring Jim Carrey back. Like what would what would be the next one that you want to see in? Oh, I don't know. They did like some like the really good ones. So I think that I they should make. Just... You know how they do like like the stupid like like I don't want them to do. Hold on, let me explain. You know how they do <laughs> the stupid like musicals that are like the live ones on TV. Like they did Hairspray and they did like oh yeah, ones yeah, yeah with like just like the big names. Like, they should do something like that, but with the good people playing, like, the parts for Suzical. Like, I want to see it. As, or... I want, I want a musical version for Well, they film. need to, like, film it, like, you know how you can like watch, Hamilton. like, Shrek. Like, or Shrek. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, Hamilton or, like, Shrek the musical to where you can actually just, like, watch it and it's, like... Yes. It's, like, not far away awkwardly and, like, it's... Yes. That, that's... I need that. Yes. Same. Let's do that. Let's make that happen. So, just to really sum it up, uh, his books and characters are featured on Seuss Landing, which is one of many islands in the Islands of Adventure theme park in Orlando, Florida. Uh, there are reportedly no straight lines in Seuss's Landing. How? How do you... I mean, I feel like... Mm, I don't know. The Earth is not straight, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so it is reported that the Warner Animation Group and Dr. Seuss Enterprises have struck a deal to make a new animated movie based on the or new animated movies based on the stories of Dr. Seuss and their first project will be a fully animated version of the Cat in the Hat. Like current like this next it's coming up? I guess. Okay. Like so, the 3D type animation? Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. I would assume so. Hmm, okay. Okay. Yep. So there you go. I really want to watch Horton Here's a Who now. Same. It's a good movie. It is. That's wow. It was a little bit more than a smattering. That was really fun. Yeah. I, there was just so much. Do you see why I couldn't, like, like I couldn't do it? I needed more time. Because <laughs> I started <laughs> reading about it and I was like, oh, good grief. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's just cool that. I mean, when did he first? Well, it was wasn't it like nineteen. Well, we're almost like a hundred years. I feel like since yeah. at least some of his work was published. Well, he started doing his like school newspaper stuff in like nineteen twenty one. Yeah. So. so, I just think it's really cool that it held, it has such a strong legacy like even kids nowadays know like dr seuss and like they're still coming out with like films and there's like the dr seuss but then there's the beginner books like series where it's like the yeah um i'm sure that like changed like the are you my mother and um what's the one with the bunny i i'm not a bunny or something like that (laughs) i don't know that one's a good book too we used to read that one as a kid it's like, I don't want to be a bunny. I want to be a possum. The possums hang upside down all night. And then in the end, he decides he wants to be a bunny. Mm. 
<laughs> we had a rip on one of the pages, so we didn't know what that page said, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love kids' books, obviously. Yeah. I can't wait to like build a library for my kids. Oh, same. Literally amazing. Yeah. Well, well guys, that. that has been your smattering of facts about Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. Go listen Zoys. to Seussic- <laughs> Go listen to Soysicle the Voicicle. <laughs> uh. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, we will peace out. We will peace out. Peace out, Girl Scout. Bye-bye.